Welcome back to Back in My Play. This is episode number 14. This week, we're going to be talking about The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. I'm Kevin Larrabee, and along with me is Josh Hillier. Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I've been living in a dark world over the last few days in which Thanksgiving did not exist, and there was only dark meat. So uh, it, it's good to be back in the light world with you guys. Great. That worked out all right. Uh, and we also have a very special guest from the Player One podcast. You might know uh, Chris Johnston. Chris, how you doing? Hey, how's it going, Kevin? Thanks very much for having me. I don't, I don't have any sort of intro like Josh just did. That's what he does. <laughs> it's just that. that was great, though. I love that. Oh, thank you. Usually it makes people uncomfortable, so I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> I think you've been yeah. doing it since the first episode, too, or episode zero, whatever. Um, you've been, yeah, I took a chance. Good job. Uh, I mean, it, it, sometimes it really does fail, uh, fail horribly, but um, yes. <laughs> let's, be, let's be real. Uh, Chris, obviously, if you, know, you aren't familiar with the Player One podcast and you're nuts if, if you're listening to this and you haven't checked that out, um, but formerly of Electronic Gaming Monthly, he was the news editor over there and member of the review crew back in the day when... Yeah. Like the original EGM, not the EGM that's kind of limping its way along these days. But um, yeah. yeah, I worked there in 90. I started working there in 94. Wow. And <laughs> yeah, uh, intermittently left and came back and then uh, was there from 98 to uh, 2004. So you were kind of yeah. in the, the thick of it during the generation of the, the Super Nintendo, at least the tail end uh, at EGM. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's back when magazines were, speaking of thick, that's back when magazines were thick because they had a lot of ad support. And I remember EGM that's being true. like 250 pages. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was crazy working on a magazine that was had to be 250 pages. It, <laughs> I uh, don't was a 50 50 ad split. So if it was a 250 page magazine, I mean, it was great for readers. But uh, if you were working on that, you had to produce uh, a lot more content. Would you yeah. basically just have to? All right. Well, we need another thirty pages before the deadline. So just figure something out. Figure something to write about. That's right. Yeah. Oh, your section. Uh, you have four more pages now. It's like, <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> I guess. I guess I'm gonna have to do some more work. All right. We'll do it. Even though the deadline's tomorrow, we can make. We can make. <laughs> yeah. Just make up some rumors. That sounds like fun. <laughs> I, I never really did a whole lot of that. Maybe one or two. Because I, I, uh, I was quarterman as well for a period of time. So oh, okay. Yeah. It's kind of like <laughs> only, Doctor only Who, man. There's, there's so many faces of quarterman. Through their, it's, through true. it's true. It's uh, true. Yes, indeed. Well said. Um, Chris, th- there's one interesting thing I just thought about, though. So you, you were asked to write like four extra full pages of content sometimes. But now you're existing in this generation of Twitter post. Mm. And it's like, how, how few words can you use to say something? Um, exactly. Yeah, I don't know what that says about us as people, <laughs> but uh, it's certainly something to think about. Yes. Well, with the introductions out of the way, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back with the history of The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. So please stick around and listen to this fantastic music.
All right, we're going to quickly talk about the history of A Link to the Past. And to give you a quick breakdown, let's start with the release dates. It came out in Japan on November 21st, 1991, and it was titled The Triforce of the Gods instead of A Link to the Past out in Japan. And just for reference, uh, it was titled uh, The Triforce of the Gods 2 for the 3DS game that just recently came out. And then in North America, it came out uh, not too far later, but April 13th, 1992. A whole five years after The Adventure of Link, which is, uh, I guess, about right on schedule. Um, It was a prequel to The Legend of Zelda on the NES when it came out. And it was very cool because it introduced many of the mechanics that are seen in Zelda titles 20 years later, like things uh, like Bottles and Fairies, The Seven Sages, Parallel Worlds, The Witch, you know, items that showed up throughout uh, the various games like the Hammer, the Net, and so on and so forth. Overall, it sold 4 million copies worldwide, which is, is quite, quite good uh, for back in that, that time period. And just some brief development notes. In 1988, uh, development of the new uh, or a new NES Zelda began. But one year later, the project was brought to Nintendo's next console, the Super Famicom in Japan, the Super Nintendo Entertainment System in other regions. Uh, due to the success of previous titles in the series, Nintendo was able to invest a large bud- budget and ample development time and resources into the game's production. At the time, most Super Nintendo games were only 4 megabit or 512 kilobit of storage space. This game broke hmm. that trend using 8 megabit, uh, allowing the Nintendo development team to create a remarkably expansive world, an a remarkably expansive world for Link to inhabit and uh yeah some stuff about the script i don't i'm not going to read that though i mean it's some really interesting it was a really well done localization i will say you know compared to the original legend of zelda which has some of its own quirks and then also uh there are some in the adventure of link as well and some key staff director uh takashi tezuka or 1010 uh, who went on to direct and work in Many, many fantastic Nintendo games. Uh, up until this day, he's working, I think just of late, he worked on uh, Animal Crossing for the 3DS, uh, New Leaf. And uh, producer was Shigeru Miyamoto and composer. Obviously, we keep saying these names every time we talk about a Nintendo game, mm. uh, Koji Kondo. Um, so that's some some interesting stuff. Right now, I'm going to just put in a uh, brief audio clip where I'm going to be playing two ads that played in the United States. So I'm going to play that right here. Introducing the epic challenge that only the Super Nintendo Entertainment System could make possible. Across endless land and water, you search. Deep into a parallel world where light becomes dark, you search. And just when you think your search has ended, you find it's just begun. The new Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. Now you're playing with power and superpower. This time it calls you to the ultimate battle of good against evil. To a quest few are prepared for and fewer still survive. But perhaps now the power is within your grasp. It's the game that's already a legend. The Legend of Zelda, a link to the past. Only on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Now you're playing with superpower. Weren't those great? 
And also, there's an interesting <laughs> advertisement that came out in Japan, a commercial that seemed – I'm just going to link in the show notes. I'm not going to play it in the show because you kind of have to watch it. Uh, it is seems to be themed along uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller music video, uh, but for the theme of The Legend of Zelda. And then uh, finally, some interesting stuff in Nintendo Power. We probably all remember the contest that they ran in America – that promised to put your name in the game. They would actually hide your name in a secret room in the game. And Chris Houlihan won that contest and was immortalized in The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. Man, sorry. <laughs> where is we know Chris Houlihan now? Yeah, that's yeah. what I was asking. <laughs> I don't know. Chris, where are you at? Um, maybe maybe he's on Twitter. I don't Maybe Maybe he's, that, that would actually be a decent parody Twitter account if people could figure out the right right rid of right way to angle it i shouldn't have had a lot of caffeine before the show that's my fault but um i i don't know and is is that a good tool to pick up women with uh (laughs) hey my name's in a link to the past want to check out my room i think if you were want to check out my room exactly Um, i think that if you were at pax perhaps or somewhere like that you could you could maybe clean up with that line (laughs) maybe a decent t-shirt too i'm chris hulham want to see my secret room (laughs) <laughs> get, get on that wootees uh but did they did so did they have a japanese equivalent to that i wonder or what what is in that room in the japanese version i don't know maybe in famitsu they they did a similar contest as well um yeah mm. not sure that's all i mean i i basically just go to wikipedia because it's a trusted resource for all things on the history of the world and that's what it told me it did not mention anything about uh you know a, a japanese contest hmm I should pull out that cart because that that's, room should technically be in the Japanese version of the game too. Yeah, that, that's no. interesting. Um, I don't know. That seems like an American kind of thing to do though, you know? Yeah, I wonder if maybe in the Japanese version it's like a developer's room or something like they do in the Pokemon games. Yeah. Where right. they say, hey, these are the developers. Or they did that in Earthbound as well, I think. You might seems be a good plausible. person to ask, Chris, but I know there was some game where, like, there was a secret a developer put in, like, "I love sex" and something, something, something. I swear I've heard this on one something like Retronauts or like some podcast that said a developer hid some terrible, terrible stuff in there <laughs> like that. But um, again, J- you know, Japanese developers they they can sometimes be a little <laughs> bit immature, I guess. <laughs> yes. Okay. Especially if they're trying their best to to uh, put together English sentences that aren't translated that would be that'd be a train wreck it's great um (laughs) all right that's uh that's it for the history we're going to be taking a break we're going to get in the time machine and go back to 1992 and revisit our memories of the game so stick around
right, we're back in 1992. We got our crisp issue number 34 of Nintendo Power, letting us know all the great information about The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past and when it's going to be available to us. So, Chris, I'm going to toss it off to you first, one, because you're our special guest, and two, because we've already <laughs> given our our stories about when we got our Super Nintendos. So I want to ask you that, and maybe I should even take a step back. This, for some reason, is a debate, but people want to know, Legend of Zelda 2, Adventure Link, did you oh. like it? <laughs> I did not like it. Yeah. Good man. Neither, neither, neither did <laughs> Just I. Just not into it. In fact, I, uh, you know, I downloaded it on the virtual console not mm-hmm. too long ago on the Wii U, thinking, oh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe I should give it another shot. And I was, it was gearing up to uh, the time that the Wind Waker HD came out. So I was sort of in a Zelda mood. And I just don't like that game. I just, it's not fun. Yeah. I hope uh, John and, and Mark from A4 aren't listening to this because they, they've been, <laughs> been kind of on me about doing a Zelda 2 episode. And I just, I try so hard to play that game. I even, I own the cart. I have it on my 3DS. And mm-hmm. I just, man, that game is just not fun even, I like even with save it. states it's just you yeah. know it's just a little bit too difficult maybe like i was having i was having real trouble in the beginning of the game i was like wait i i ha- don't even have any real weapons here or skills and they're throwing all this stuff at me like i maybe i went to the wrong place first i don't know but uh but i was not doing well but like the translation wasn't great for you you weren't getting awesome hints from all the people in the towns and stuff (laughs) exactly i am error exactly yeah no great great tip (laughs) well you know i like to think of um adventures of link as being sort of like candy corn um it's one of these things that every like once a year i feel like i should try again and that maybe it'll be different this time but yeah i have a very similar experience to you chris I, i never end up liking the candy corn and yeah. I never end up liking Adventures of Link. I even tried renting it, you know, back in the day, and I just could not get into it. And I was like, this says The Legend of Zelda on it. This isn't The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> yeah, this is right. nothing like The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> I, uh, I remember is the it? first time I saw Adventure of Link, it was at a video game swap meet that was sponsored by a local video store in our town. And they had rented out a conference room in a hotel and... They were selling games and people were trading games and they had a copy of Adventure of Link on a uh, on like a projector system. And this was around the time, you know, when they had uh, cartridge shortages mm-hmm. and no one could find Adventure of Link anywhere. And they had it up on this uh, projector and I was just amazed by the graphics on it and, you know, how it looked so much different than the first one. And then I finally got the game at home and was like, what is this game? I just. I was so not into it. After being yeah, they so kind of excited. forced the the two D thing on us with that one. You know, it was like they knew they wanted to make a two D Zelda game, two D as in side scrolling, mm-hmm. and uh, they did it, whether I'll, people liked it or not. I'll stick with Miyamoto. He's right. That was a mistake. Yeah. Yes. yes. He, he's, yeah, he's he said totally that himself. Right. Yeah, in the last year or so, right? And again, I'm so yeah. sorry if you're listening to this right now and you love that game. <laughs> I mean, it's it's great to to love games like that. Like, I'm also not going to play Dark Souls uh, because I just yeah. I like I like to have fun uh, when I when I <laughs> sit down and play video games these days. Um, but in in terms of like the Super Nintendo. <laughs> You know, again, coming out in 1991, was that something that you were just looking at? I need this immediately. Like, I'm getting it on launch day. What, what was your story? Oddly enough, I was a Sega fanboy 
during that time. And uh, I I wanted a Super Nintendo, and I actually rented a Super Nintendo from a uh, video a local video store because around that time they were rent they would rent you systems and games. So I did that. Played Super Mario World. Really enjoyed it. Really wanted a system, uh, but but didn't end up getting one until uh, summer of 1992. And I I have a, d- a different story than most people do. You know, um, at that time I had was living in Chicago and had been to the Consumer Electronics Show there because they held the summer Consumer Electronics Show at McCormick Place in Chicago. And uh, I was 13, 12 or 13 years old. Yeah, thir- 13 years old in, uh, in 91 and got into that show, played all the games, like uh, got some contacts with Nintendo people because <laughs> I had a, I had a video game newsletter that I was doing at the time. Um, just just huh. kind of putting it together and copying it at the local office supply store and sending it out to people. And uh, so in 1992, went to the Consumer Electronics Show again, talked to some more Nintendo folks, and they said, oh, you know, if you want to, if you need a, a system in games to review, let us know and we'll send it off to you. And I was like, oh, great, you know, because I wanted a Super Nintendo and, uh, and wanted Link to the Past. And uh, so about two weeks after that show, I got a, big box from Nintendo and keep in mind I was 14 15 years old at that time getting a box from Nintendo's PR oh. company Golan Harris and they sent me a Super Nintendo with Super Mario World and uh, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past along with an original Game Boy and what? an original NES what? with with copies of <laughs> A Yoshi for those systems, which was just, it's like toss those to the side and, uh, and <laughs> play Link to the Past. Yeah. Wow, yeah, that so, is incredible, though, that they, that they sent all of that to you. Did they know how old you were? They just, they just, they just really respected they your newsletter. They didn't, they didn't ask, and I didn't offer it up, and I gave them a copy of my newsletter say, saying, you know, this is what I do and have, you know, about 7,500 readers that time and uh and they sent me a system i have no idea why they did that wow. <laughs> nintendo's pr certainly wouldn't do that today uh no. i'm sure but, i don't know uh, how it would be back then but right now i am super jealous <laughs> i'm super pissed i know i could i couldn't believe it my parents couldn't believe it either they were surprised uh <laughs> the, the uh the awful thing is so i hooked it up on our upstairs tv and was super excited to play link to the past uh, and started playing it, and I think it was lo- around lunchtime or something. I had to go down and eat, so I left it on pause, went back upstairs, and I guess it had had like a surge or something because it was stuck on a particular screen in Link to the Past, and resetting the system, it was broken the day that I got it. I was so mm. crestfallen at that point. I was like, I, I, I just gotten Link to the Past, and oh, sorry, can't play it. So... <laughs> I had this free system, but I had to go to a repair, one of the Nintendo service centers, and have it repaired. And they're like, oh, do you have the receipt for this thing? And I was like, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> where, okay, where did you buy it? Um, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. So, and that, that story doesn't sound very believable, probably. No, I'm sure it didn't. I'm sure it didn't. But it was $25 to have the thing repaired. <laughs> and a week later, I was finally playing Link to the Past with, with no problems. 
Yeah. Oh, that would have been, <laughs> so, been very. Yeah, I would so have it was simultaneously the best, the best thing ever, and the worst thing ever. It's like I right. got the system for free, and that's awesome. But oh shit, a surge has has fried it, and now I have to wait a week to play it. So, so eventually, well, in the meantime, you can play Yoshi on the NES. Um, <laughs> exactly, I was all over Yoshi. <laughs> Great, I got I got really good at that game. In the meantime, <laughs> one of the. <laughs> One of the least respected puzzlers of the of the time, but uh, not very good. So, so obviously, eventually, you, you got your repaired Super Nintendo back and and dove right in. So, what? Well, well, actually, you know what? I'll even take a, a step back even more. Um, were, were you into Nintendo Power and stuff at the time? Because that seems to be something we always come back to is talking about seeing things in Nintendo Power, or seeing things in EGM or Game Pro and stuff like that. Um, was this? Obviously, you said you were anticipating it, um, yeah. but, but this is definitely something that, I mean, me personally, I was scouring over every bit of information that I could see. I, I memorized everything in Nintendo Power. I memorized <laughs> all the maps. I knew, like, I could literally just put close the magazine and read the preview word for word to my parents just because, like, this oh was God. something I, 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 I needed so bad. <laughs> um, but, but for you, I mean, it, was it something probably hopefully not as crazy as that? Uh, I was not subscribing to Nintendo Power at that point. I uh, but I read the EGM coverage of that game. Um, Company man, and, yeah. <laughs> Even before I worked there, right? Yes. Right. Uh, but I, uh, since I was a Sega fanboy at that point, I uh, I let my Nintendo Power subscription lapse. Unfortunately, I wish I had continued that up because. I was I was super excited for Super Mario World, and I rented the system and played that. And then, uh, linked to the past, I was going to do the same thing. I was going to rent a system just to play it, and because I was super excited about how the game looked. I mean, the graphics were were awesome. I was I was super happy that they went back to a top down perspective on it, and they seemed to have ditched um, the stuff from Zelda Two, which I I was not a fan of. So. Uh, so yeah, I, I was certainly anticipating it, but uh, I was just trying to figure out how I was going to get a system, um, either through savings or I ended up weaseling it from Nintendo. <laughs> well, you know, and that's something that a lot of people don't really get now is they see that these systems were like $200 back then. Yeah. But $200 in the early 90s was a lot of money. Yes. You know, especially if you're a kid, you know, if you're 14 mm-hmm. or 13 years old or like nine in my case, you know, it's it's not so easy to come up with $200. That's a lot of yards to mow or whatever. Definitely. And if, especially if you had already made your system choice, like I made my choice with the Genesis only about a year or two earlier. Right. Um, so yeah, so I couldn't I couldn't justify getting another one at that point. Didn't have the disposable income. Right, yeah. Parents, parents just don't understand. That's so true. God. Yeah. Um, right, so <laughs> you liked it, Kevin? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, well, well, we'll we'll definitely talk about some of our impressions from the past too. Um, my my story is very brief. I was eight years old. Uh, summer in the summer, it was July. Uh, had first communion, and I literally passed out at my first communion in the church because it was so hot. And of course, I had to wear a brand new sweater <laughs> that my mom bought for me. But um, I went through all that torture, and then eventually got to the after party where you're getting all these basically cards full of cash and, and uh, checks. And then I got up to a hundred and ten dollars. And first thing I said, "All right, guess what? We're going to Sears tomorrow, and we're going to pick up the Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past." It was sixty nine ninety nine. It was a little bit 
a little bit more than the you know the regular price games that were like fifty or, or sixty dollars. But um, I didn't care. It was it was the one game that I wanted. It was after. I think at that point, all we had was Super Ghouls and Ghosts and Super Mario World with our, our launch system. Uh, so this was going to be kind of our, our third. And I think, actually, maybe we had Home Alone 2 as well. Um, but I ended up going into Sears. I had all the money in tow. I don't know if my parents knew this was the plan, but I walk up to the game counter and say, I would like a copy of A Link to the Past for the Super Nintendo, please. I have cash money. And my, my parents, that's great. My parents both, my parents both look at each other and wait, no, no, you're not, you're not buying a video game with that first communion money. I'm like, what? No, um, a link to the past is what I've been like asking for, for months. And I only get two games a year. I get a game at my birthday, which is in January and a game at Christmas. Actually, I think I got Mm. two for my birthday. So though that, I mean, that's not great for me because I get both games like within a month of each other. And then, I'm going to Sears. I got my first commuter money, which, to be honest, I went to all the, those CCD classes. I earned that cash, and I want to get a Legend of Zelda, which is a uh, very clean game. It's not Mortal Kombat, anything crazy like that. And they say, uh-uh. We end up having to go to the uh, athletic department and picking – or whatever the department is – and picking up a 10-speed Huffy bike because they thought I was too big for the bike that I had <laughs> – uh, at that point. So they said, actually, <laughs> no, you're going to put that money towards a 10 speed Huffy bike, which ended up, you know, it was a pretty good bike. I mean, it got me around. Um, and then I ended up, but having- it was no link to the past. I mean, come <laughs> no, on, man. It was, I had to go outside <laughs> to use it. And I, I wanted to like, this was a game that I was over at a friend's house. So a, a, a friend locally actually had a link to the past and I would see it in like bits and pieces, but it was like not the beginning of the game. It'd be like in the middle of the game. And I don't, I was so anal about this stuff at the time. still that I didn't want to spoil it. So when he was like playing that game, I'd pull out my game boy and I'd jump <laughs> on the game boy because I don't want to have the game spoiled. I wanted to start from the beginning then like have my own my own now, was journey this the, was it the case that you were like criticizing the way that he was playing because you had memorized the maps and everything because <laughs> that would be amazing well i'd be that'd like be oh well that was the case. oh did you did you guys find the ice rod yet you, you know what the ice rod is right oh i know well you gotta go how can it. you not know this come on you, you got the game you don't have nintendo power you gotta have the power man um so eventually i ended up getting it for well actually the somewhat sad story like a month after I bought that bike, my parents get divorced, and we have a super Christmas that year because, the, you know, it's their kids. The parents got divorced. You have to spoil the crap out of them, I guess. And uh, along with a Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, which, to be honest, after I got that, that's a showstopper at Christmas. You you open that up, and you say, no, I don't – I'll leave that stuff for later. I'm going that's upstairs, right. <laughs> and I'm playing a Link to the – like, this is what I've been not only asking for this for – like a month or two, this has been nine months that I've wanted this game at this point. And uh, they say, no, trust me, you want to you open the rest of these gifts. I keep opening. And then I also get a Sega Game Gear with World Series Baseball, which was, wow. which was pretty good like, too. This doesn't play a link to the past. It Toss. doesn't. <laughs> no. And so I, I was like, oh, yeah. And I, I literally, it was one of those things where I was starting to understand the world and I totally faked like the – Oh yeah, Game Gear, awesome. I'm like, I didn't even ask for Game Gear, but I'm guessing, you know, Sonic 2 on Game Gear is going to be great. Actually, it's not. And um, <laughs> but World Series baseball ended up being pretty good. So, I got through it, went upstairs, 
came down for dinner once, went back upstairs and played that game like literally for the whole week of break for from school. And uh, man, I just that game is just so so great. So sorry that that was a little little bit of a lot. But um, Josh, when, oh, when did you awesome. get a hold that's of this great, game? Yeah. yeah um, I, by the way, I liked the part about you spending a whole week on it because I kind of just did that over this past week because I had some time away from work and was able to. Uh, it's it's a great game to play like three or four hours every day, you know, just to because there's so much content and so much to do in it, especially if you've forgotten where everything is in the game, like I had. Um, but anyway, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. So I first played the game back in 1992. Um, I never owned it though. This was one of the few Zelda games I never had. Uh, I don't know why exactly, uh, but it was something that I rented on multiple occasions. But every time I rented it, I had to start it from scratch because the saves were on the cartridge them, uh, itself um, instead of like on a memory card or anything like <laughs> what you, you would do see that today. thing where you you take the third save slot hoping to god that no one will erase that one <laughs> wow that's a great idea yeah like <laughs> i never thought of that <laughs> name it something really intimidating so they'd be afraid to even click on it exactly i think i did that i think i did that back in the day with a couple games oh i i'm third save slot did. i most certainly did but it, it didn't help it most certainly didn't help um, because every time, you know, because that was one of the games that Blockbuster stocked really well. So, uh, you know, they had plenty of copies of it. You could never be guaranteed that you were going to get the right one. So um, I had to start it over. Therefore, I never beat the game as a kid. This was my first time beating it um, recently. But anyway, I made it to the dark world every time I rented it and would mess around for a while. But it was... It was it was the dungeon that has the the dungeon from the dark world that has the pipes in it. It's towards the end of the game. You guys know what I'm talking about. Um, it's it, it's the seventh it's the seventh dungeon actually. Up on the it's, mountain. Yeah, that yeah. one. Um, yeah, the Turtle Rock one. That's which one it is. And so that was just totally uh, that that was so hard to me. And that was about as far as I could get in two nights with the game before I had to go back at the end of the weekend. Because um, this was in the two night rental, three day rental time, and so I was, uh, I could never get quite, I could never spend enough time to actually finish that section. Um, I would just get turned around in the pipes and everything else, and uh, yeah, it, it kind of haunted me for a long time. It was one of we talk about this a lot, Chris, on the podcast, sort of the school playground discussions or whatever. Oh yeah, um, that was this was one of those games that everybody played. And everybody wanted to talk about, but for whatever reason, I just never owned it. Um, huh. And and so I had to listen to people talk about that fight with Ganon and all the other big things <laughs> that would that I never got to see until just recently. Hmm. Um, still, I love the game. I mean, it, you know, it's instantly charming and memorable, and uh, it, it was always something that I wanted to rent three or four times for a reason. So, Chris, did you marathon through the game? I uh, spent most of the summer of 1992 playing it. I did not. I savored it. I did not marathon it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm trying to do that right now with a 3DS game. I'm forcing myself to put it down uh, and not, not play it too too much. But we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later. Did you guys ever mess with the the game the game genie for the Super Nintendo? Because unfortunately, uh, due to that same friend who I went over to his house, his influence and seeing him having access to 99 bombs and 99 arrows mm-hmm. and unlimited uh, rupees, um, mm-hmm. I ended up borrowing his uh, game genie to to kind of break the game a little bit. I don't know if you guys ever did that stuff. I didn't with Link to the Past. I did with other games. 
I was trying to keep it pure. Um, I don't know. That always just felt wrong to me. Man, but that game genie was sick. Um, but yeah, I mean, 99, <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, you know. But in my recent playthrough, I would love to have had 99 arrows. All right, so um, any, anything else you guys want to talk about in terms of stuff in relation to A Link to the Past in the early 90s? I'm guessing uh, for for all of us, it was a marquee title of the Super Nintendo, and it is something we're obviously very, very fond of. Chris? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was the first game I can remember where I I felt such a feeling of accomplishment after defeating each boss and finishing each dungeon, where I just wanted to savor that feeling. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it. it uh, I haven't really had that that feeling since. <laughs> great uh when you when you beat a boss and i was uh live streaming the the other night playing the game and um just not only the the fanfare but the way the boss just like almost breaks up piece by piece like boom 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 boom, and just exactly it's a celebratory moment there for you like like yes yeah oh it's so great um and and (laughs) i get what you mean though like just kind of wanted to sit back and enjoy it it was hard uh it's hard sometimes to just go on to the next dungeon after you complete a especially difficult one and a boss yeah. fight that you might have had to retry a couple of times. Well, and the good thing with this game is usually you got something in that dungeon that allowed you to have, uh, you know, do some more exploration in the overworld. So um, there was, a, you know, opportunity for you after after completing a dungeon to go do other things before you tackled the next one. Sure, kind of a palate cleanser. Yeah. My fondest memory of, I think, back then was uh, like you're alluding to Chris going throughout the world and just searching for stuff, acquiring a new item, then just, just literally transvert transversing every possible square on the map <laughs> to see if I could use it anywhere, whether it be, you know, the hammer or, you know, getting the power glove or the Pegasus boots and just right. having all these new places open up or just be like, I, I need pieces of heart. Like this is another thing that this game introduced uh, was having uh, pieces of heart to to search for and to be able to upgrade, you know, your your health by by finding this stuff. So it even added uh, more to the the opportunity to explore. Obviously, you had the heart sure. containers in the first game, but um, man, I just that that was probably my favorite part. It's just literally just humming to the music and just searching and searching and searching, and then maybe sometimes opening up. Nintendo Power to see if I I try not to use it, but um, it, Christy, you I knew, you were just talking on Twitter a little bit before this, but did you have the player's guide when the game came out? Did, did you get to use that for a reference a little bit? I didn't uh, have the player's guide for the Super Nintendo game. I picked up the one uh, that covered the GBA port. Ah, yes. later. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Josh, any any final? Thoughts on 1992 as a year. I mean, Turtles 2 came out in the theater, so you could believe that was pretty good, too. Yeah, um, I think Nirvana was working on In Utero. Um, if, or, or did it come out that year? That was, that was something else uh, that was... I was really into grunge music as a kid, <laughs> which, is, uh, which might explain a lot about the person I turned out to be. But uh, yeah, it was a great year. And, and one thing I do want to say is that I was always sad as a kid that we never saw a, a direct sequel to Link to the Past. 
Uh, I know mm, we had to wait yeah. for a 3D um, Zelda game on the N64 instead because we received two Zelda games on the NES, and so I fully expected the same thing to happen. Well, it took uh, forever. Yes, it was yes. six years in between uh, at least console games between Link to the Past and 92, and there was 98 for Ocarina of Time, right? Yeah, so I mean, it would have been awkward, obviously, if that had come out for the Super Nintendo and if it had been, you know, a, a 2D style game in that time when Sony and so many companies were championing um, championing a polygonal 3D. But still, I just, you know, they you wanted, wanted more of this of, game, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I loved that universe and mm-hmm. I, I loved that art style and just just wanted more of it, you know, just sort of a, an expansion pack, if you will. Did you get it didn't to have play to be a Link's Awakening I did, yeah, and I, and I liked that it a lot. That took a lot of the stuff, you know, from Link to the Past. And even, like, if you look at the the cover art, like, the or the box art was very similar to Link to the Past as well. Didn't uh, didn't that come out before Link to the Past, or am I, or am I my years wrong? It came out one year later in 93. Okay, one year later. So it definitely was inspired and perhaps shared some of the same developers, I would have to think, in terms of how similar those games are, in terms of... You know, an overworld that you can quickly get to things, um, but but it's a really dense, interesting overworld. Yeah, that's a great game. It is. It, I didn't like about playing it, it on uh, the black and white Game Boy, though. I I missed I the full color of uh, Link to the Past so much, even though even though that game was inspired by the graphics and Link to the Past, just uh, just didn't didn't really hold me. You know, Chris, that's that's a really good point because uh, there's something, and I was trying to allude to this a minute ago. There's something about Link to the Past, and it's just it's its color palette and um and and just the pixel art and everything about it is just a really beautiful game. And mm-hmm. so translating a similar art style to that you know monochrome screen, it's it was just not the same. You know. It, no. The Game Boy never inspired me very much. As much as I liked handheld gaming, I always had this overwhelming feeling of, wow, I, I hope that games look a lot better on handhelds later. Your parents <laughs> didn't get you a enough. Game Gear, I guess. Man, Game Gear was great. You're playing some <laughs> yeah, Sonic 2, World Series I, Baseball, Triple Trouble. I didn't pay my dues <laughs> at uh, Communion or whatever you were talking about. Yeah, man. No, no it was mostly just to, to help the emotional pain of... <laughs> You That's know, parental true. divorce. I, I didn't experience mm. that either. So, and yeah. then, uh, man, if you're going to get your kids a Game Gear, get that rechargeable battery pack. Thankfully, they got like a value pack that came with that. Otherwise, I would have never used it because it just obviously went mm. through six AAA batteries every two and a half hours. Yeah, I wonder how many kids uh, got a Game Gear and played through the first set of batteries, and then their parents never gave them more batteries, and that was like the end of their Game Gear. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like. We had a, we had a good three hour run together. You have to get the family pack of batteries there with like fifty batteries. <laughs> run through that in a couple of days. Yeah, well, unfortunately, my parents would always, uh, even for like the the Game Gear, when I didn't always run off the battery pack, they they bought their batteries at KB Toys. The KB Toy brand uh, batteries were not the the best available <laughs> because we didn't we weren't in the financial situation get Duracell batteries I guess at that point but mm-hmm. uh, and then there's always the AC adapter you know you can play yeah. your portable system at home Love uh, tethered to the wall pro tip <laughs> oh, yeah that's that's what I had to do usually pro tip I'm not sure if I mentioned this on the show but on one family trip I was able to bring a portable television that ran off D batteries and then plug in the battery pack for the game gear into my Sega Genesis Model 2 and play Sega Genesis in my car I was playing Mortal Kombat 2 on a black and white 
portable oh TV. God. So <laughs> if you guys ever want to go on a road trip, bring that Sega Genesis, get a battery pack for the Game Gear, get a portable television, or you know, pretty much you know, if you have like a family uh, or like a caravan, you can get one of those with TVs built in if you're you know like that. But uh, that's how I rolled, and I got to play Mortal Kombat 2 and Streets of Rage in the car, and it was great. Awesome. Yeah, it, it, only for about thirty minutes. But, you lost me at black and white. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It was kind of a bummer, but for me, it was the coolest thing at the time. Like, man, I'm playing Sega Genesis. Where, where did you put the TV? Was it in your lap? I'm no, I, like, uh, like I had the way back seat, so I kind of like stacked it on top of like some of the whatever luggage or, or clothes that we were bringing. So it was just really awkward. I was kind of turning to the side and not. I mean, it wasn't comfortable, but did I tell you I was playing Sega Genesis in my car while it was moving? Yeah, that's cool. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. So, yeah. especially Mortal Kombat 2 of all games. Before the know. days of the Nomad. I know. I know. It was great. Um, Talk about battery suckers. Yeah. No kidding. That was a nightmare. Well, that was fun. We're gonna take a quick break. Here's even more music from the Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past. So we're gonna be traveling uh, back to the future to present day and talking about the game and what we think of it now. So stick around. We're back in 2013. It is the holiday season. And, of course, we are playing The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past because there's nothing else to be playing right now, like <laughs> new consoles or, you know, two of the best Nintendo games ever. Um, so yeah. first thing, uh, we're going to kind of go around the horn um, <laughs> and kind of ask, you know, what? how did you play this? Um, Josh, you said, were you playing it on a Super Nintendo or you're going virtual console? Yeah, I played it on Virtual Console, not to get too off topic, but I, I do feel the need to say this. So I set up this retro game room when I moved to this new house, when we moved back to the Deep South. And I was so proud of it because it has like an old school TV and every console hooked up to it or every important console hooked up to it. And I never get to play games up there really, though, because it's right next door to my daughter's room and she's still quite young. So, you know... If I'm up there, it tends to be a time when she's asleep, and so I don't want to be right next door hammering away on buttons, and I want to hear the sound of the game, you know? So long story short, I pretty much I have a lot of cool retro stuff, but I have to play the emulated versions. So I played the virtual console version, but I got to use that really cool SNES pad that hooks up to the to the Wii remote, the Super Famicom Ooh, nice. one uh, through Club Nintendo. Oh, wow, you have one of those? Yeah, yeah, my wife got it for me. Oh man! Oh, very nice. Yeah, that was that was a clutch present. I was really I was really proud of her and thankful when she hooked me up with that because I think those things are like a hundred bucks on eBay. Yeah. I saw in Japan yeah. they're like sixty five. They're like sixty five hundred yen in the in the stores. It was, oh, even even still. Oh god, this yeah. was a few years back. I almost when bought were, one. It was really it was really close. But then I remembered I don't have a Wii, or at least at that time, and I never turned it on. So. Yeah, well, I did it through the Wii U. You know, I just would go to Wii mode, and um, it's really not that big of a pain. And you can now actually play um, Wii Virtual Console games on the Wii U game pad. But you oh, have that's to right. Use so you can plug get headphones controller. into that, right? Exactly. Yeah, yep. you can get sound and everything. Oh, great. 
Um, so that was that was really that's what I was doing a lot of the time. So I had it on that little TV, and I was playing with a Wii remote with a Super Famicom Club Nintendo controller hooked up to that Wii remote. So it was a pretty strange setup, but uh, I played through the entire game that way over a period of a few days. And uh, uh, that's you know I would recommend it. That's that's a good way to play it. I know that there is also an SNES, um, not an SNES, a GBA port of the game that some people play it on when they want to have it on a slightly more portable device. But I kind of recommend this Wii U experience. Chris, how about you? What about you guys? Still like holding on to a card? Are you going through Virtual Console? I also went through Virtual Console. Yeah, I uh, broke out the classic controller. For the Wii, and uh, I don't, I don't have this cool Super Famicom pad. I wish I did. <laughs> I wish Nintendo had made a Super Nintendo version of that. That would have been great. Yeah. But um, but I played it through uh, the Wii Virtual Console, and uh, you know, love save states. Gotta love that. It really yeah, helps so. not to have to start at the <laughs> at the middle of the map every single time. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer, but it's also great to use that as a shortcut if you finish like a a dungeon and you want to go right back to the middle to do some stuff like pick up some fairies or uh you know just have a central starting point uh, so hit select if you need to do that out there um i, I, I never do that <laughs> yeah I, I, this is this is where i uh brag but i played it through the uh frame meister my my beautiful upscaling um piece Ooh. of technology through uh, nice. video on the super nintendo and it's like on a 55 inch tv it looks super good and uh, i was it's uh, a Club Nintendo. Uh, you can get it off Club Nintendo this month. So I almost bought it off that to look at the Wii U or what it looked like through, I guess, the Wii Virtual Console through the Wii U. Um, <laughs> but then I just thought, you know, maybe I'll save those points for something else because um, I'm not a huge fan of digital Nintendo stuff. But uh, it, if you do want to, this is another thing. It's not too late. We're close to the holidays, but if you have someone that will drop $350 on you, um, FrameMeister, uh, the XRGB Mini, is a great device. And um, I have severely loved mine. It, it gets used every week, but um, that's a, a great way to play it. So Im- impressions of, of the game, going back to it, Chris, when was the last time you know before now that, that you went back and played The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past or you know, played through it all the way? It was the GBA port that I uh, played it, and uh, I was because uh, I loaded it up yesterday after I had finished A Link Between Worlds, and uh, oh, interesting uh, order. Yeah, I love the uh, the opening of Link to the Past; it's just great. And uh, but I was surprised at the combat and only being able to swing the sword in four directions. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And how difficult that makes the game play. Like it really does impact uh, not being able to do that horizontal uh, slash. Um, yeah, and that's you know, and and kind of when you remember the game, you don't remember that part of it. This was what I experienced. Yeah, yeah, it's a hard game. It is. <laughs> yeah, for sure. after after Link uh, Between Worlds, I thought, oh, you know, I'll go back to Link to the Past. This will be a cakewalk. This will be easy. Oh no, I died like several times in the first dungeon. And I was like, oh no, I'm I'm really rusty at this game. Right. Well, you can like uh, stand to the side of the uh, soldiers when they attack you. Yeah, you know? I had to like so rethink how to attack the enemies and everything. It was right. uh, yeah, whole different thing. Not to get a- ahead of ourselves, but uh, just to to bring up a Link Between Worlds again, I was. Really disappointed when I booted that up and you weren't using the D-pad to move around. But then, mm-hmm. just like you were saying, Chris, I, I've been bouncing back and forth between these two games uh, 
for the last couple of days since Thanksgiving. And um, man, the you, you look at the Super Nintendo version and first thing you notice if you played the 3DS game is it's surely not 60 frames per second. No. Sometimes it's like 20 <laughs> and um, <laughs> that there's a bunch of enemies on screen, but at least, you know, you can swing the sword relatively fast and get a lot of strikes in. Um, yeah. But but what else did you notice? I love that music. I love the the rain when you, uh, you know, wake up in your house and uh, traverse the first little area. I mean, it's, it's just the game looks amazing. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to play too far into it. But uh, man, it's just a, a really well put together game. Yeah, it's a good game to play like every five years or so. You know, I think it would get old playing it every year. But I mean, if you played the GBA version, did you do that when it came out? Yep. Yeah. Okay. And, and so, you, and you played the game when it was still fairly new back in the early '90s. And then you played the GBA version, which was the early 2000s. Early 2000s. Yeah, I think 2002 now, or three. Yeah. Yeah. So 2002 or three, and then here we are in 2013, and you're playing it. So really, like every 10 years, almost. Yeah, pretty much. Um, the game. And of the every decade. now and again, I'll just boot it up to listen to the. Uh, the little opening bit with the Triforce pieces coming together. I mean, that's just amazing. Any, any way slice of that music is just great. And I'll let the, uh, the story text roll over that, uh, that little uh, musical interlude they have there in the intro before you're even playing it. It's, it's, uh, it's awesome. So, yeah, yeah. Really well said. Um, it, it, you know, I think you guys were actually talking about this on the last Player One podcast um, with Microsoft talking about Xbox One and using the word magical a lot. <laughs> um, uh, but that really is, so it's a word that gets overused in the tech world, I understand that. But that opening, um, just with the sound of the Triforce um, and, and the music and, and just the title screen and everything, it really is kind of magical. It's a tone setter, Absolutely. man. It, it sets yeah. the tone for the game and it just lets you know, like, first off, you're getting a very high quality product. This is nothing like the NES game or really anything that you saw uh, on the Super Nintendo up until that point in terms of quality. And like like you're saying, Chris, you, you start hearing while you're inside your house, the rain actually sounds different than when you step outside yeah. of the house. Like just having little touches like <laughs> yeah. that is is really crazy for a, a Super Nintendo game. And it just shows like the care that they they put into it. Because to be honest, if they didn't do that, if they just had the same you know, rain noise from inside and outside, people probably wouldn't have noticed that. And it's for a very short, it's like for the first 10 minutes of the game. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Then it's never there again. Yeah. And, uh, it, it is, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, you know, it, that's one of those things. Um, and, and everybody's talking about next gen right now and well, this doesn't feel next gen enough or this does feel next gen enough. And I remember thinking that specifically as a kid and it, and it also made a big impression on me today, like it did on the two of you, um, that, just the fact that the sound of the rain was different depending on where you were, um, that that felt next gen to me back then in the nineties, uh, compared yeah. to playing games on the NES or wherever else that that was, that was a big enhancement. Um, and so I think that those are the kinds of things that people are looking for today as well, but they're not as easy to tell. It's more like frame rate and things like that today. Yeah. Or going into the sanctuary and having that, uh, that echoey sound to the music. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Great episode. Yeah, like, like being in a church, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the screams of the girls that are being uh, abducted, uh, it, you know, it's, it's not a real scream. It's just a... But it, it really was different than NES-era sound effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, much more haunting sounding. 
it, yeah. And, and I think I also want to make reference to the graphics again because, uh, you know, at that time, when I, when I went and saw screens of this game, I was in love with it the second I saw it because all I wanted out of this game was a better-looking The Legend of Zelda. That's all I wanted, and it was a much better-looking Legend of Zelda. It was much more right. colorful, and you go back and you, you boot up you know, on the NES, the original Legend of Zelda. Like it, it looks decent for that time, but everything just looks so flat. <laughs> it looks almost lifeless where you know it's – textures on the ground moving it is uh sometimes like the trees when you're in dark world they they animate a little bit when they try to attack you um and just having the uh great you know spread throughout the game of and and it's kind of really what we've seen throughout zelda games from here on out but you know being able to go into really vastly different looking areas um throughout the game and going into uh, the woods and going into lost woods and, and just getting something that is just crazy with the the shadows and um, you know transparencies and things like that. Uh, it, it it just for for me it was more than enough to make the game awesome. And the bosses were gigantic; they were huge. Yes. Um, and and we had a couple big bosses in the original game, like the you know three head, three headed dragon and stuff like that. But like you start off in the first couple dungeons and the bosses are gigantic and it is a literal oh crap moment what am i going to do because this guy i'm one fiftieth the size of this guy i have no shot um but yeah you know and also i also want to quickly mention uh just the sound effects being very satisfying like getting uh-huh. a hit on a guy being really <laughs> satisfying them you know dying or whatever they do like suck into each other uh that them imploding uh is great um <laughs> yeah the the sound walking on along the water is great when you jump when you're like in a puddle going into mm-hmm. uh the zora area and you're using the pegasus boost like the I, I i love like all the sounds just are, are so perfect and it is uh it just brings back such great great memories um but sorry, continue on. Anyone that wants to jump in and talk about how awesome this game is. I mean, you're hitting the nail on the head over and over again right now, talking about sound especially, um, which was an area of game design that uh, I don't know if it was intentionally ignored or if it was more of a technological limitation at the time, but um, it, it was not very awe-inspiring in the 80s, aside from Journey to Silius and a few random games had awesome soundtracks. But um, just the sound effects themselves, yeah, that they are really something in that game. Well, yeah, the one sh- the oh, one part where the graphics uh, don't impress for me is the world map. <laughs> the zoomed in most yeah. seven versions. It's so pixelated. It's like, why did you feel you had to do mode seven zoom in for that? Like, why couldn't you have just presented it in uh, in in a hand drawn sprite or something? Did they <laughs> that looked better than that or something. I, 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 I can't think of any real reason for it. The only useful view there is the zoomed out view. Mm-hmm. There's uh, the zoomed in view. It's like I can't make out any of any of what I'm looking at here. And you get and, spoiled going to the 3ds game and having that beautiful <laughs> map on the bottom screen too. Oh the, yeah, the two screen approach is so awesome. Um, I'm gonna miss that when Nintendo moves away from it inevitably one day. Josh, I want to let you do. know that Nintendo if Power did also uh give this a 4.7 by far the best uh rating for graphics and sound where this is at the time when graphics and sound was literally in the same scoring category um so mm. they they respected 
what they were doing. <laughs> good, uh, good. They weren't biased at all. No. <laughs> no. Well, I will say, I'm, I'm, we've talked about this a couple times, but I'm telling you, Nintendo Power, like they gave some harsh ass reviews in some of these, uh, in some of these games. Not usually mm. the Nintendo made ones, uh, but the third party stuff. You'd see like some 2.4s for. Mm-hmm. Okay, like I'm looking at this. Mick Kids for the NES. Uh, overall, let's see. Overall for uh, theme and fun. Got a 3.3. That is crap. That game is awesome. Mick Kids is a fantastic B-tier game, <laughs> and I will go head-to-head with anyone that will say otherwise. <laughs> I Maybe just they didn't like the theme. <laughs> what? What's wrong with Mick Kids, man? <laughs> well, it could have been fun without a good theme, was my point. I, I just love that those are the categories. Like, you look yeah. at reviews these days. Does anybody score on fun? I don't know. <laughs> well, this is this is the, <laughs> the power not. meter. They broke it down. It was uh, one quick category was graphics and sound. Uh, category two was play control, of course. Um, <laughs> C, uh, third was challenge, and fourth was theme and fun. And the, the, the even better part about this is how they categorized the game types, where uh, Link to the Past was categorized as a hero quest type game versus uh, games like Lemmings would be a comic action game, or McKids would, or sorry, uh, Godzilla 2 would be a sci fi strategy game. Wow. <laughs> so. Man, Nintendo Power. Good so, what was my kids like? A corporate uh, no it was, bamboozle it was comic uh, comic action because that was comic action. Was, okay, yeah, yeah, that was a great game. <laughs> corporate bamboozle. I like that better. What, what are we Thank doing you. the yeah. kids episode? <laughs> if they're really being honest. <laughs> and also, I'm, I'm going to say this is a quick aside for if you have ep- uh, issue 34 Nintendo Power and you go and look at the headers for the uh, Joe and Mac section. The bones are clearly penises, and I'm not even like exaggerating about that. It's straight up like, like it is. I, I'm, I'll send this to you guys just so you can kind of see a, a screenshot of this. You can confirm it later on in the show, but um, I'm dead serious. That is uh, straight up what it is. Confirmed penis sightings in Nintendo yeah. Power. Coming yeah. Up. No, I mean, if I was a parent, and I saw my kid looking at big bone penises. I would probably be. <laughs> Uh, canceling that subscription, but you know what? You get a free strategy guide, so you probably want to keep it going, anyways. Um, so, were there any memory, uh, memorable like boss battles for you guys? Obviously, like there was some bosses that we ended up seeing uh, later in the games, and some bosses that actually make a return in the 3DS title. But um, I just remember uh, personally just the gigantic bosses when you get uh, like you know the boss where you get the uh, the hammer and you're kind of crunching or you're destroying his like metal. Uh, like faceplate to get at him. Yeah, his, his armor. Yep. Yeah, his armor to get to his weak point. Like, like those were the battles that I love. The gigantic bosses where it's just like you know at the end there was just a huge explosion, and like you guys were mentioning before, it's huge sense of accomplishment. There's no way I should have beat this guy, but I had a magic hammer. So, yeah, I'm searching my brain. Uh, one of them I just did a couple of days ago was that eyeball fight where it has a ton of other eyes. And that one stuck out to me because being so easy at a time when the game was so hard um, mm-hmm. that I sure. really appreciated it for that reason. But With it, was, it shot, was right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And just, just pound away. Um, uh, wh- which one is the boss where you're in the really small area and you can fall off and you fall down like three layers every time you fall off? This, the snake? You know, isn't that yeah. another eyeball boss? That's the, I, I think yeah. that is another eyeball. No, he has right. like a little weak point at the end of his tail. He shows up uh, actually in a couple points in the, the 3DS game. but um, Also at the end of Link to the Past, you face him yeah. again. Uh, mm. The uh, let's, I mean, w- was there 
like an amazing kind of like sense of, oh my God, when you enter Dark World, almost thinking, not necessarily, it's probably not the end of the game, but once you get the Master Sword and you go to Hyrule Castle, then you have a big battle, then you're like, man, there's a whole second map. And then there's seven more dungeons I got to go to. I thought that was pretty cool. I love yeah. that feeling. And Nintendo has done that in several games where it's like oh, you so finish up and you're like, oh shit, this is just the beginning. And it's, it's an awesome feeling. And I loved uh, that they did that in this. Yeah, I most certainly did as well. And uh, the only thing I can really think of that fully gave me the same impression was Symphony of the Night. Um, like yeah. seeing, you know, oh, well, there's, there's an inverted version of this castle. Um, you know, that's kind of what it was like because it's all within the same world, you know. But this was when, like creepy versions of, of like all the characters and you go into the village and you look at the shopkeepers and you want nothing to do with those people. Um, <laughs> that's right. That's right. It yep. is, um, you know, these places where you used to feel safe are no longer safe. And that's an interesting thought. Well, Dark World is just way more intimidating just because of the, the enemies are – Immediately, once you go down to, you know, you go to the bottom of the pyramid and you have those gigantic muscle dudes throwing bombs at you that take, even with a Master Sword, like seven or eight swipes to kill, uh, you know, all right, that was like just the beginning. Shit just got real. Um, this is where the game really starts. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it, again, that's that's one of those things that I think, uh, Chris, like you are alluding to before, Nintendo does a great job at that, even up mm-hmm. into today with the you know Mario games and stuff like that, to give you that sense of, yeah, you, you think you're done, you think you just had the final boss battle, but guess what? All this stuff, stuff just opened up. Um, I hope you're ready to uh, stay up the rest of the night and play this great game. That's right. If you didn't master the controls before, we are going to throw a bunch of challenge your yeah. way. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you will have to learn them. That's right. Um, I I wanted to give a shout out to Dungeon Three of the Dark World. Um, I wrote that's that's what I have in my show notes is um, <laughs> shout out to Dungeon Three of Dark in the World. woods, right? I'm, I almost was going to mention that too. Isn't that one so cool? Um, it, because it, it totally flips what you're used to in dungeon design of it being this all inclusive place that you go into and you don't leave until you're done. Um, mm. Instead, you're you're like going in and out of entrances within an established area of the game of the Lost Woods. Um, that that just added such a different element to it, and and when you step outside, you have to remember elements of the map, um, so that you can find another yeah. entrance um, in order to get back into the dungeon. You have to you have to think, okay, well, I'm trying to go like northwest right now. How could I get there by um, traversing the lost woods? So I thought that one was was a really great dungeon, one of the better ones in the game. Really uh, I mean, hard. in the series, there, there's the dungeons in. A link to the past. When you get into Dark World, they get very difficult. They get very confusing. Um, you know, it, it's no water temple, um, but still at the same time, it gets difficult enough where if you don't really pay attention to where you're going, you can certainly get lost and uh, not know where you're gonna end up. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, but it was never. It's never like completely intimidating when you get lost in that game. If that makes sense. Um, like some games, that feeling of hopelessness is is overwhelming. <laughs> but uh, I felt that Link to the Past, it's they do a nice job. Maybe aside from the Turtle Rock dungeon, um, but perhaps that's just me working through some childhood stuff. Um, they do a pretty nice job of of making the game manageable but open. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's like you you figured out the world map in the Light World. And even if you are getting lost somewhere in Dark World, it's still it's the same map, so you can still kind of get your bearings. And uh, yeah, 
and continue. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, well, there's going to be this um, water area in the southeastern part of the map, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever, or like the woods will be in the northwestern part. Mm-hmm. Um, huh. It's kind of like America. Analogy. Um, no, think about it. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to toss it back to you guys for a little while. Uh, well, I, I think I think I'm good. I mean, it's still a, a, a great game. It's something that is available in a lot of different places now. Unfortunately, you can't get it on the 3ds just just yet. Um, hopefully, Nintendo will rectify some of that stuff down the road. But who are we kidding? Probably not. What, what um, are they doing? Not releasing Link to the Past in, in the month of a Link Between Worlds coming out? Like, why is no that Super on- Nintendo games on the 3ds? And even with the Game Boy Advance games, that's all Ambassador stuff. But not even on the Wii U Virtual Console. I mean, I know, yes, you could technically go in and play it through the Wii, which is what I did, but... They're super busy right now, okay? They're really, really busy. Yeah, there must be some reason they're not... I'm sure there's some technical reason why it's not out yet. Um, And I fully believe that they will end up releasing it. But I wonder, too, you know, I I went to this game after playing Link Between Worlds, and, uh, you know, I thought it was just a lot harder. And Uh I wonder if... I wonder if that might be part of the decision where it's like they don't they know people love the game but they don't want to remind people too much of the game before the new one comes out. I mean, even just looking through the strategy guide, I had forgotten a lot of um a lot of uh the bosses and dungeons from the game and I was surprised that oh wait, that's that was in the original too. I had forgotten that this was a part of that as well. So maybe they mm. wanted uh, everything to be fresh for Link Between Worlds before putting out Link to the Past. And I mean, they kind of threw everybody a bone by offering it as a Club Nintendo reward yeah. on the uh, on the Wii Virtual Console. But Yeah, I'm uh, sure that was pretty much I'm a sure, nod sure, to what I'm talking about. Like, I'm sure yeah. we will see it on the Wii Virtual Console. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, that that'd probably must be a great be. game to be able to play, like holding the gamepad, you know? Oh, you have the TV on or something else going on. But that's that's yeah. like my next gen feature that I love so much about that console. So there's so much Zelda yeah, to play right now between this and Wind Waker HD. Uh, oh stuff. yeah, have you been playing that, Chris? I finished uh, Wind Waker HD. Yeah, nice. I had not completed the game on the GameCube. I uh, I was one of those folks who got lost during the Triforce hunt and just decided to put it down, put it away. So yeah. uh yeah the HD version was the first to, first time I finished it and I loved it. Yeah, that was such I a smart change. Man. Yeah. So many great games to be playing right now. <laughs> it's true. It's so this is a good time. This is uh, a good time. Again, not to be off topic, but I'm looking at copies of Ease and Tearaway for the PlayStation Vita which I am dying <laughs> to play and I still I can't touch them until I finish these other games in a PlayStation 4 that never gets used. It's so it's a terrible problem to have. Um, <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's a great. It's a. Gr- this might be one of the best years in, in games. Man, 2013 has been really good. At least the last. I agree, year, man. I agree. Um, all right. Well, let's take a break. We're going to do a little mini segment and talk about uh, a link between worlds. We're going to make this spoiler free. We're not going to uh, do anything that's going to hurt your interpretation or playing of this game. Uh, But again, it allows us to do an extra segment so you can listen to more music from The Legend of Zelda. And what I'll do right now is I'll actually use some music from A Link Between Worlds, which is uh, so, so good. Uh, Please, Nintendo, because I, I know everyone at Nintendo passes around this podcast, make a 
soundtrack available for this game because the three yes. outputs really low <laughs> low volume uh even through headphones i want to listen to this through uh my laptop and uh it just it's so good there is uh, uh john riccardi actually posted a, a youtube link of someone that that put a great playlist together on uh youtube with very high quality versions of all the tracks, like 40 tracks, um, including the, actually, I, I won't even say that. So, um, check it out. Um, I'll see if I can post it in the show notes as well, but, uh, we'll be right back. We're going to talk about link between worlds and then we're going to have some news discussion stuff and wrap it all up. So stick around. we got a bonus segment right now we're going to be talking about a link between worlds it just seems fitting because we're talking about a link to the past and this is kind of like a pseudo sequel to a link to the past in uh at least a little bit i mean they're literally giving it the number two in japan so um yeah. there, there is some merit to it and i will point people we're not going to talk about the whole thing but um if you got to uh, go to nintendo.com there's a great awata asks uh, with uh, the development team of A Link Between Worlds. And there's some really interesting stuff in there. And unfortunately, like there's some, you know, it brings up bad memories, like having to pull these guys off this game and like really Nintendo to do this with a lot of projects, pull people off and then put them on Wii U games to get them ready for launch. And that's why we're still seeing some games get delayed and delayed and delayed. But um I mean, Chris, you got to check it out. Was there anything that, that stood out to you in that interview that just like, that just, you know, was really interesting? Yeah, that it didn't start out as a sequel to Link to the Past. Mm. That it just started out as a, a new Zelda concept and that Miyamoto was the one that brought up doing a sequel to the Link to the Past. It's just, I, I would have figured that this would have started off as let's do a sequel to the game that people revere as the best Zelda. Almost like a cash grab. Yeah, like, but it didn't. No. <laughs> and even like uh when when the guys approached him to uh, about this project, like they they literally got shot down at the beginning. Um, yeah, several times, yeah. And, it, and I'm always interested to see, I mean, with his position in the company now in, in terms of making decisions, um not necessarily this is probably a bad analogy, but being almost like a Steve Jobs Steve Jobs of Nintendo and just really just not accepting anything but the highest of quality um, of, of ideas and, and projects and things like that. But um, I, I, that was one of the things that really stood out to me is just, you know, I want to know what kind of meetings Miyamoto is holding and, and what they're talking about. <laughs> I want to be a fly on that wall because that just sounds super interesting to be a part of now. Yeah, I want to hear about the things that they decided not to greenlight. 
Yeah, like probably some Metroid really games, great ideas. Yeah. I'm sure that there are some things that I would have loved to have played that got canned. <laughs> well, you know, actually, for a little while, they were talking about just fully remaking Link to the Past, like in the last few years. And I don't know if that came up in this Iwata Ask because I haven't read this one yet. But I remember reading in interviews over the last two years that um, that was something that he either wanted to remake the game or um, do some sort of spiritual successor. And so it looks like they kind of went with the latter. No, they actually talked about that in the interview, too. And, um, you know, again, they just thought that was a boring idea. Um, you yeah, know, it's it's not really something that you know. It, it would probably sell a ton of copies because you still look at uh, these re-releases in Ocarina of Time on 3DS did very well uh, in America. So I'm sure it would have sold great, but uh, they wanted to do something uh, fresh, and you know, it, it's so cool to just see like the the young blood in the company coming up with these ideas. You you see the the great stuff that that the Tokyo development team is doing with uh, Super Mario 3D World and Super Mario Land uh, 3D Land. Um, man, I just I I don't necessarily always bag on Nintendo, but uh, I think this game and uh, Super Mario 3D World are two of the best games I've ever played in my life. Like they they've just been brought so much joy to my life in an era of shooting people and slicing throats <laughs> in Assassin's Creed. Um, it was the breath of fresh air that reminded me why I started playing games when I was three years old on an Atari 2600. Like it was actually, yeah. no, that's a bad, that's a bad analogy because those games sucked. But um, like when I got an <laughs> NES, like the magic that, that came well, yeah, they were joyful for you, though, even if they weren't mm-hmm. good games. I mean, you know, I don't know, man. Combat, childlike combat joy. sucks. Yeah. You, you play combat on 2600, even back in the day, you're playing that with your brothers or your friend, and you just end up yelling at each other. Um, and it's, yeah, well, a lot of those games are awful. I was yeah, talking to my dentist about that. <laughs> That's what you go to, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, th- th- yeah, I don't know. For some reason, he's talking to me about this podcast and start talking about Atari games that I was just talking about how bad they are. But anyway, it's also uh, a really cool screenshot that, uh, that they, they put in the interview that I guess they featured at Comic-Con in New York. I, d- I didn't see this when it happened, but of how they angle the, um, the objects in link between worlds to make them look right. And so it's not necessarily top down and it's not, um, you know, tilted to, uh, down a little bit, uh, but everyone's kind of like looking up at the sky, like they're, really hyperextending their back to, to look up at the camera. Yeah, they're walking at like a 60-degree angle yeah. or something. <laughs> it's very interesting. It's just, man. Yeah. Uh, are you guys playing this game with the 3D on? Until my until I get a headache. I, I do in the <laughs> – no, I'm serious. I do in the – until like when I'm in the dungeons, you kind of have to use 3D. Um, when you're out in the world, like the overworld and stuff like that, I, t- I always turn it yeah. off just because, one, it, it kills battery. And two um, – and it's weird. I I don't always use the 3D, but in the past, I haven't gotten headaches. But now I'm starting to get headaches when I use the 3D. Yeah, there huh. were three games on 3DS where I played – the whole game with the 3D on. And n- normally, every other game, I, I leave it off. And Super Mario 3D World, or 3D Land, sorry, um, Luigi's Mansion, Dark Moon, yep. and this, I just think are have the greatest examples of using 3D, yep. where it actually kind of impacts gameplay to be able to see the depth. And, and this one especially, great. with the top-down view... You know, yeah. seeing those layers, being able to actually distinguish between them in dungeons, yeah. that's vital. And I think in the in the Iwata asks they say that uh, 
they decided to do 60 frames per second, even though it was a, a really difficult programming task. But because at 60 frames a second, the stereoscopic 3D looks the best. And uh-huh. it really does. I mean, this game looks amazing in 3D. And, and I will say another thing I was really worried about is I thought the game looked terrible on uh, Nintendo Directs. Um, because, again, oh, yeah. you're watching it on... Because it was on, only like, 30 frames a second. The, right. Good call. And also, <laughs> uh, when it's being blown up on a 15-inch retina display, um, it, mm. it's really not going to look good. But uh, it's not even... Jaggy, I think you know characters look smooth, objects look uh, smooth. You don't, you're not seeing um, tons of uh, polygons and stuff like that. Like I, I think the the game is. Oh, I, I can't even say a bad thing about it, and and yeah. I don't want to reference anything specifically because I think everyone <laughs> should experience this. But the the biggest thing about this game for me that has enhanced my enjoyment is I, I just keep saying like, yeah, yeah. Because I'm like, yeah, I remember that. Man, they they put a brand new twist on this thing that was in the original game or like it's literally saying like, oh my God, like I can't believe like this is happening in this scene or, or it's it just – there was tons of surprise where I thought this was literally going to be the same game with, a, with 3D, a couple different dungeons and the item system, which at the end – you know, I, I, I think it works fine. I think it's really cool to have access yeah. to the whole world at once, or at least for the most part. And uh, it brought me back to that whole thing I talked about, about exploring A Link to the Past, where I just like to walk around. Like I spent a ton of time just looking for heart containers uh, or heart yeah. pieces and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, even though they said, oh, you have access to all the weapons at the beginning, which you sort of do, but there are still some items you don't have access to right at the beginning that you still have to find. Uh, whether that's in dungeons or, you know, around the world map. There's just a, a lot of stuff there. And there are even separate mini dungeon challenges for rupees that you can do, which uh, I thought was was really, really great. Um, yeah, there are a lot of side quests to do, too. The little uh, Mai Mai's uh, that you collect off of rocks and under bushes and all, all over the place. Like That's just a fun little side quest. And there's a ton of those little things in this game. And uh, I finished the game and I want to go back and try to get all of those little my mys. It's great. Are you going to do the uh, hero's quest and try to play uh, through with just three so. hearts? No, I can't do that. I just, I'm not uh, that hardcore <laughs> of a player to do that. You would, but you would need to not have a lot going on in your life to really be able to pull that <laughs> off, I think. Like, and I'm That's not knocking right. people who do it. I'm not saying you don't have any... I'm, I'm just saying, like, you need the time to devote to something like that. And we That's just... Right. We, we need to talk about this this thing. I don't know how, that, how well that's picking up on mic, but... This the is the amazing soundtrack or the squeaking my my that I hear. Uh, oh, there is one around squeaking here for its for its mother in the background. Well, see, that's been driving me nuts because I've been <laughs> looking for those now, and whenever I hear that, I just I stopped it in my tracks, and I've been looking around. Um, yeah, but the the soundtrack <laughs> there's there's some new tracks in there, but the uh, rearranging of the soundtrack is is so good. It, it's yeah. it, it's so good, and it, there's actually there's different versions of the songs that you can you know find in the game too, which. God, Nintendo, I'll, I'll give you my credit card. There's, there's a <laughs> decent limit on it. You can just charge whatever you want. Just get it out there. I, I, you know, it's too bad that the Iwata asks they didn't go into the sound design. I, I don't think mm-hmm. at all. But you know, that's one of the most interesting parts is they remixed these tunes 
really well, and they sound so good, mm, even even yeah. if you don't have headphones on. They sound great coming through the 3DS speakers, which you can't say for a lot of games. Uh, for everything from the minigame music to the to the Lost Woods to the Dark World to the Light World to uh, dungeon music, it is. It, it might be my favorite soundtrack of of all time. Like I, I it's it's. <laughs> I got rose tinted glasses on right now, but uh, well, a lot of these tracks are very familiar Zelda tunes, right? Exactly. But they're just. I don't know. There's like some kind of energy behind these that is just uh, infectious. It's great. That's the best way to put it. There's energy behind these tracks, and that is that's that's where I'm going to end it for music. That's buy this game. <laughs> Nintendo put out a soundtrack. I mean, it's. I hope it's not one of those things where they it comes out in Japan and it's like forty dollars. Um, well, someone will rip iTunes. it and we'll be able to find it, right? Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, but I, I will give you Nintendo points. I'll give you Club Nintendo points. I'll do whatever you want. Uh, just please. Yeah. And, and same thing with Super Mario 3D World, which uh, also is uh, – soundtrack is fantastic. That is a Club Nintendo reward in Japan right now. And what? It has really cool artwork. Yeah. Yeah, Are you, I, you need to look me? that up, man. Google that. It's I don't know if I don't know if you can actually redeem points for it yet, or if it's just upcoming. But I've seen pictures of it, and it looks incredible. Just for Japan Club Nintendo. Yeah. yeah. Most on. of the really good rewards are Japan only. We're I mean, there's been a few good US right points, now. But... Nintendo, give us some stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got all these points. I need to use them. I got like a thousand points, and I, there's nothing. I don't want to. I don't want a 500 point T-shirt. I want a, like an awesome <laughs> soundtrack. And... I have that T-shirt, sadly. <laughs> With the different Mario's on it. I'm sorry. Yeah, because I at one point I was like, I've got all these points. What the hell should I get? So I I have two of those uh, 3ds or the pouches. Yeah, I got one of those. Uh, I use one of those for my Vita, and then I uh, (laughs) (laughs) I got uh, yeah the Mario (laughs) T-shirt. And the Vita still works even when you pull it out of a Club Nintendo pouch. It doesn't like Uh, drain its battery or scratch the screen (laughs) or anything. Dude, Vita can do anything, man. PlayStation Vita is. I it is a great platform. Don't talk crap about my. And you I, guys, I, yes. uh, I'm just talking about mixing the worlds, though. You know, like talk about <laughs> worlds, like putting a Vita in a Club Nintendo case. No, I don't know. What's the? Is the man. best case for it though? It it's is the best. Best pouch I, for it. I've done the same thing in the past. What do you guys think about taking one more break? We'll come back real quick and we'll do uh, some news discussion type stuff. And again, uh, here's another track from A Link Between Worlds because uh, it's really good and. Yeah. Um, I did procure it somehow, so there's there's some way to find it. So stick around, we'll be right back.
Okay, we're back for the uh, final segment. Since the last time we did an episode, uh, a couple things happened. Uh, the Sony PlayStation 4 was released in America and in Europe. And then also uh, this company called Microsoft makes video game systems too. Uh, they brought an Xbox One out um, that is also going to be playing video games along with uh, NFL football. So uh, <laughs> I think we we all have playstation 4 is correct yeah i do yes i do too so did anyone get an xbox no i did i did not no huh i i haven't even seen one in person yet like i look every time i go to best buy or gamestop um but they have like a demo unit but no controller hooked up to it so yeah and even that demo unit is not an actual unit it's like half the shell and the connect and uh because if you if you notice it's sticking out from the shelf right so it's not yeah uh it's not very deep there so they don't have any controllers and it's not even a real system it's just a dvd player that's uh or a blu-ray player that's playing footage on tv you can't even play like connect games no, oh, you think no it's a non non working unit. Oh, well, I think the Connect is real, but the uh, the the Xbox One itself is just like the first uh, front third That's of weird. that thing. Yeah, 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 it's really strange. Because I, I mean, I was like, God, I was at GameStop on Black Friday, like in the afternoon, to pick up some stuff, and uh, you know, I saw the the PlayStation Fours were were in there. I maybe it wasn't a real PlayStation Four either, but that's kind of weird. I don't know if they're just running. They are real, systems. actually. The, the PlayStation Fours are. Yeah, at least at some yeah. places. At, at my local Best Buy, it's real. Man, Microsoft, that's not a good thing to do, man. You want people to to try these things out. <laughs> it's a five hundred dollar piece of you know equipment. It's not something you just. They may not have had demos ready in time. I mean, you yeah. look at what's on that PS Four kiosk, and it's like Knack and a couple of other. Things I don't think Killzone's on there. Like a lot of the big games are not on there. Well, one True. thing I want to to mention before we go forward is um, you guys on Player One did two episodes back to back where you talked about the release of the PS4, and then uh, last week you talked about uh, the Xbox One. And one thing I want to give you uh, huge props for is uh, the 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 way some of these things were reviewed, and also uh, something that I was talking to Josh about. Uh, I think on the last episode that we did, or maybe it was just on Skype, but uh, kind of like the overall negativity from the the gaming mm. press about some of this stuff. And I don't know if it's uh, people being cynical or, you know, not just like having fun with video games anymore, but I think a lot of people are just being really negative about this stuff saying, you know, it's, it's a launch system, so this stuff needs to be bad or um, just overall being... You know, being in a bad mood when they went to yeah. go play these games. <laughs> yeah, I think when you work in game journalism, you have a slightly skewed view of uh, of games because you generally don't pay for the systems and you generally don't pay for the games that you get. So you're not really a consumer at that point. Like, it's a very weird thing. Um, so you don't look at these launch games the same way that someone who is excited about buying a PS4 looks at them, you know, um, or reviewers who wouldn't normally play a, a standard platform game, platforming game or action platformer or, uh, or shooter or, um, are assigned to these reviews. And then 
it's it's not very surprising that they don't look upon them favorably like it uh it's yeah it's a really different vibe especially with this with this launch yeah, yeah and, and you're sort of in, a, in an interesting position as someone who used to work in that field and correct me if i'm wrong you're with adult swim games right yep that's right okay so you're in the development community um so so you've kind of lived in both of those worlds, but now you can just sort of enjoy these home console games. Um, yeah, and after but, I left EGM, I didn't play anything for about six months. Like, I really just took a break completely from video games yeah. and uh, came back to it with, I think, Halo 2 and uh, Rainbow Six, uh, whatever the one that came out after Rainbow Six 3. On the Xbox, I, I, I like those kind of got me yeah. uh, Black Arrow or something yeah. like that. Yeah, got me back into it. Um, but yeah, you you get a bit burnt out. I mean, it's easy to get burnt out because you're playing everything, you're seeing everything, you're getting pitches from companies who make uh, you know all sorts of games, not just the AAA stuff. And it's uh, it's easy to look at it differently than than an actual gaming consumer would. Yeah, undoubtedly. Um, but that's 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 probably that's what I like though about you guys. Uh, while we're giving you props, as Kevin said, um, I like that. I like that you guys have lived in that world, some of you, but you no longer fully live in it. You know, I yeah. think that, that helps uh, give the consumer perspective, um, but an informed consumer perspective. Well, thank you, thank you. And yeah, the podcasts that I like listening to are from people who have that perspective, have that. Uh, you know, I'm a I'm a gaming consumer, and I love games, and this is what I think about them. Like that's that's always the best thing to listen to as well, because it's just like a group of friends talking about right. You know, the games. It's not like oh, Ubisoft sent me this game called Fighter Within, and I had to play it, and I gave it a 1.0. Yeah. Um, like it's that's not really that fun to listen to, <laughs> right? And so like none of us will none of us will play that game ever if I had to <laughs> that's guess, right? Um, I wouldn't. And, and, I wouldn't play okay. that by choice. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, it just it sour it soured the crap out of me because I do uh, you know I, I try to do a healthy mix of of books like Audible books and then you know gaming podcasts and other podcasts and stuff um, uh-huh. and I literally just shut all of them off these last couple of weeks because I swear to God every everyone that I listened to there was someone just being like super negative, like their life was ruined because this console launched. And it, and, and same thing, there was a couple of live streams going on and it wasn't one outlet. There was, you know, multiple outlets that were just kind of saying, yeah, man, this, this, this game is, you know, it's, it's another one of these games It's another launch game. And, uh, it's just, I think it is important for people to make sure they're kind of paying attention to who they're listening to. Um, mm-hmm. and don't mm-hmm. be afraid to, uh, go and, you know, rent a game through game game flyer. Now, thankfully we can still share games between one another. Um, it, it, knack is one of those games that you guys referenced on the show that, uh, you know, I think maybe people should at least give a shot or just keep in mind the perspective that people were going into when they saw knack as being a launch title. And, uh, you know, yep. for some people, it just rubbed them the, uh, horribly. Like they just, it really was like, it kicked their dog or something. I didn't get it. Yeah. I think you can look at like knack and rise on both systems where, you know, prior to release, you had reviewers saying that both were, were really bad and how dare we be shoveled this crap on launch. And 
you know, both games have an audience. It, it's not for everybody, but uh, but they each of those games has its good points. And uh, if I, I maintain that, you know, if if you've seen footage of those games and you're interested in the setting and the tone and the fun factor, there you go. Nintendo Power Review um, nice. to uh, to still give them a shot, you know. And the, and the great thing about PS4 is that you can watch a bunch of live streams uh, of mm. people playing those games and and decide for yourself and ask the questions of the people who are actually playing them for fun and uh, get those opinions. Yeah, I mean, I was really bummed there weren't any uh, Hero Quest games at launch, so I'm I'm really just kind of waiting to see. <laughs> What what is going to come about? But uh, along with that, with the launch of these consoles, we also had um, two gigantic games come from Nintendo on yeah. each of their consoles. Uh, we obviously talked about A Link Between Worlds, but obviously there was also Super Mario 3D World. Um, Chris, did you get to try that out at all? You know, what are your impressions of that? Yeah, I've, I've uh, played 3D World, and I loved 3D Land, and I think. You know, just as we were talking about before with Link to the Past, the Nintendo has uh, just a sense of joy to every little aspect of the games that they produce. And the people working at EAD Tokyo now grew up on Nintendo games, clearly, and know that sort of joy and little details to put into, into games like this. And 3D World is just amazing. I just love all the little details, every level has something new to check out and explore. And I uh, I think this is a, a fantastic game. It's kind of a shame that people have discounted the Wii U so quickly that mm-hmm. they're not going to get to experience this, this really awesome game. And in fact, you know, uh, a lot of reviewers are looking for, you know, games to justify the existence of the gamepad. And I think Kotaku's review of, of 3D World starts off by saying that it's a good game, but it's not a good, a very good Wii U game because it doesn't use the touch screen very well. And it's just like, yeah. oh man, I mean, Who cares? This, this game is full of such joy and yeah. great design that how can you discount? How can you discount it because it doesn't use the Wii U pad in some some mythical reason, like way that you think should be justifying its existence? Mm. Well, do you think like? like- just, it's like in Twilight Princess. I don't think the Wiimote necessarily, you know, made that a better game. Some people no, like exactly. having that analog control, or sorry, that digital control. Um, and with with this, I I thought the Wii U gamepad was actually used pretty good. Like I was con- like, this sounds stupid, but I was constantly blowing on my Wii U gamepad to like look for secrets and, <laughs> and stuff like that. Exactly. Like I, I was literally getting lightheaded because I'd like every every couple every like fifteen seconds I'd go to like a like a new visible area on the screen and I'd be like, and like looking in, in all the different areas of the screen. I'm like, man, I got to hold on. I got to slow down. I'm going to pass how, out. How far are you into the game? I beat it. Oh, you finished it. Okay. I finished, I finished wow. the game quote unquote. Oh, right, um, right. But like, you know, we said with, you know, 3d land, there's always a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Um, Kevin, it was really funny. I was playing this. I had some good friends who were in town for the Thanksgiving break, and we were playing multiplayer Mario 3D World. So I actually got to play with four people, which is rare, um, that kind of couch co-op that we don't really get enough of these days. Um, But anyway, I was playing it, and if you do the Street Pass stuff, it'll randomly randomly place people from um, the Nintendo network into your game, and you'll like kind of see their ghost run and stuff like that. And 
it, it really is truly random, I realize. It's not just people you're friends with because I only have three or four friends on my Wii U. And I, our fourth or fifth level that we played, all of a sudden, there's Kevin Larrabee and some other guy. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, huh. so you showed up in my game. And, was I kicking your ass in the time and the score and stuff? Uh, you, it, was, it was pretty impressive. I found, um, all, I found all the coins in that level, or all the green stars, I bet. You oh, did, wow. actually. Wow. You revealed one to me, but... Um, you're welcome. You got you got passed. I'm not gonna lie. You got passed. <laughs> I mean, the the Miiverse integration is great too. Um, where for like pretty much, I haven't played a lot on the system. I basically have that game. I have New Super Mario Brothers U, and I have uh, Wind Waker and a sealed copy of Zombie U and a sealed copy of Wii U Party. I think it's called. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the, that is by far the greatest you know integration of that uh, you know service on there. But man, yeah. that game is just so good. So good, yeah. Again, more more instances of me being like, "Oh my god, I can't believe they did that." Oh my god, this is so much fun. <laughs> or even like, yeah. I I'm a bad person. I'm a bad. I have a bad habit of if I die a couple times in a game, I close up the game. Or you know, it's why I like to play portables now. I just shut it off, put it in sleep mode. But this game, I was staying up till two in the morning, and I go to bed at like eleven o'clock at the latest. I'm not staying up till like two in the morning, playing this game and just getting addicted to it um and even yeah. more so than than i know some people like galaxy one and two even more but for me i i enjoyed this more than those games just maybe it was because i liked like you chris 3d land was a a game that came out of nowhere for me i had no hype for it it came for free with my console and i i played it to death yeah yeah it's your enthusiasm is very infectious kevin I, You're making well, me want to go play Mario 3D World pretty badly. Again, you know, I'm just I'm eating some crow because I, you know, in the previous episodes of this show, I've said at the end sometimes that no, I just don't get Nintendo right now. Like they don't like the network stuff is all messed up and the uh you know the the digital content is is kind of weird. You know, there's and it still is. And it it still is yeah. and I'll I'll be honest. They're getting like, better on that. They're getting better. They they are. I mean, the, it sounds like they're they're gonna be doing some stuff on the three DS with Nintendo Network ID, which is a good sign. Um but my my Wii U might be going uh, or going into sleep mode until Zelda comes out because I'm just not hyped up for <laughs> uh, Donkey Kong or um, Mario Kart, Smash Brothers. No, no, no not I, into that. Actually, you know what? I'll, I'll, I've had a sealed copy of Mario Kart Seven for the 3DS for like six months, and I just started playing it this past week because I got to that point where. I'm either going to play this right now or I'm going to just sell it and get rid of it. Um, mm. And I'm actually enjoying Mario Kart 7, which is... Yeah, it's a really, it's a really good game. Yeah, yeah. and, and I, I've played Sonic's All-Stars Racers or whatever on the Vita, and I think that's really good too. But if you pump that thing up to 150cc, which you kind of have to do on Mario Kart, um, it is a good enough challenge. And I, I like some of the new items and... the. I mean, I don't want to go back to it, but the music is fantastic in Mario Kart 7, too. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like Nintendo's really good online play franchise. And good 3D. It has good 3D in that as well. Um, it does, surprisingly. Yeah. All right. Um, Chris, anything else that's, uh, you know, off the top of your head that is worth talking about? Um, yeah, I'm, I started playing Assassin's Creed 4. How do you like it? I like it a lot, actually. I uh, I I played Assassin's Creed Three on the Wii U last year and didn't like it very much. Stopped uh, probably about six or eight hours in, and uh, I I had loved Assassin's Creed Brotherhood 
I thought that was an amazing game mm-hmm. and so disappointed with three, but after hearing so many people saying that four was a return to form and really fun and then uh, watching a bunch of the folks who were streaming it, I uh, decided to to check it out and uh, I'm glad that I did so far. I'm only probably two hours in at this point, but uh, but I'm having a lot of fun with it. It gets way better. It does start off kind of slow, but Ken Way is fantastic and that's probably the one game that I played uh, the most on the, the PlayStation 4 uh, yeah. when, when I got it at launch, like that was, but I was, that's the game that was keeping me up till two. Like there's just, like I mentioned before, there's, there's too much stuff to play. And I, I please, if you're out there <laughs> and you like video games, buy a PlayStation Vita, pick up, t- there's so many games like Tearaway and Ease just came out, which we've been waiting for like seemingly forever to come over from Japan. Um, and, uh, what do you think about, um, you know, we were talking about the PS4 kiosks and stores. Uh, a lot of those have a Vita right next to it. I saw that, yeah. And uh, I really wonder whether the Vita sales are going to pick up. Like, I I know that people like you and me like Tearaway, and, and uh, I've heard the Ease game is really good, but I'm just not sure that that system is ever really going to come back from the dead. This is bad anecdotal evidence. I've just seen a lot of people on NeoGAF posting them in the pickup thread. Um, yep. And uh, Amazon, Walmart, uh, Target all had really nice bundles for like 170 bucks. Yep. Um, so I'm hoping that people pick up. But that kind of happened last year, didn't, didn't it? They did it. Yeah. They, they had that great bundle. And uh, man, NeoGAF was full of people who had just picked up Vitas. But yeah. I'm just not, I don't know if that's representative of uh, what's really happening out there. It, in Europe, um, Sony is going to do an actual like official bundle. This isn't through a retailer or anything that includes both a PS4 and a Vita. Uh, so mm-hmm. I could see something like that, you know, just almost forcing the Wii U type of off-screen integration. Um, that that could actually yeah. really catch on potentially if they sell it at the right price, maybe like five fifty in the United States. The uh, only problem there is, I mean, I, I like off-screen play. I love off-TV play on the Wii U. The only problem with it on the Vita is that it's missing buttons. And I know that they are using the back touchpad as a replacement for some of those buttons, but it just it is not the same thing, sadly. And yeah, yeah. the PSP got, got railed on for years for not having a second analog stick and mm-hmm. and not being able to have the uh the true console experiences because of it. And I think the remote play on PS4 isn't going to be great for for some games because it's missing buttons. I mean, it's good for Knack, which only uses the buttons that are available on the Vita anyway. But um, for a game like Assassin's Creed 4, I'm just not sure I want to play that on the Vita. Sure, or like a, a first-person shooter where you click in the sticks as buttons. You know, yep. like that's something yeah. you get really used to. Well, it, yeah, it's true. And, and just a, a side thing, I, I did end up going to my parents' house for Thanksgiving and brought my Vita and tried to... Um, do remote play outside of the house, and it was terrible. <laughs> um, like I was trying to play Assassin's Creed Four, I was like showing it to my brother. I'm like, "Yeah, this is so cool. Check this out." And it was like all, uh, you know, obviously it was tons of artifacts and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. And these are coming from. I have a very fast internet connection. Internet connection. It's connected directly to the router. It's not through wireless. And there's a really nice uh, internet connection at my parents' house too. And it was like the optimal setting. It's not even like I'm in a hotel with bad Wi-Fi. It was uh, the optimal remote play setting outside of the house and it did not work uh, mm. very well. So that was kind of a bummer. Then I was like, oh yeah, don't forget you have a copy of Tearaway in your Vita. You can go play that. So <laughs> that's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a bummer because I, 
like I mentioned before, uh, the PlayStation Vita is my favorite console right now, and um, it really bums me out to to see it not doing so well and pretty much all the support for it dry up from Sony. Um, there's some good stuff coming overseas that um, I think Xseed and Atlas are, are doing some good uh, work, bringing some games over in the next coming months. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hey, worried. It's a great indie platform, though. And sure. I That's love true. indie games yeah. to death. Hotline Miami was, I beat Hotline Miami on that thing. And it was a ton of fun. Headphones, yeah. everything is great. Yeah, yeah, it's meant for that kind of, that that control setup on that, you know, OLED screen or LCD screen, depending on which one you have. It's it's pretty nice. Spelunky is perfect on the system. Yeah, yeah. Yep. If, if Not to sell people even harder on this stuff, but if you look at the games that came out this year, it had a great lineup of retail releases um even some weird stuff like like dragon's crown um batman was kind of it was kind of bad um yeah <laughs> I, I mean i got halfway through it before giving up and uh there was also some some other stuff. I, I don't know if persona 4 was this year or not but like i said tearaway um ease there's some uh been some great it was a sly stuff. game that was pretty good oh yeah the sly game. game yeah i have oh, man i got such a backlog on that vita too so good um and PlayStation Plus, which just keeps doling out great stuff on on all three of their their home. Yeah, I mean, if you have a PS3 and PlayStation Plus, or even PS4 and PlayStation Plus, if you don't have a Vita, you are not getting you're not getting your money's worth out of PlayStation no, Plus. No, thirty dollars your one year PlayStation Plus. I hope you guys picked up some of those. Oh yeah, yeah I did. did. All right, um, <laughs> so. What we're trying to say is go out and buy a PlayStation Vita where you can also uh, play next episode's game, which is going to be uh, Jet Set Radio, where there's a decent version of it on the PlayStation Vita. And obviously, the, you can pick it up on PC. There's a version on Xbox 360, uh, PlayStation 3, PC. I think I already said that. Um, and uh, we're going to be giving away a, a sealed I'm an asshole, and I went on Amazon, and I bought the rest of their uh, copies of the Jet Set Radio soundtrack, which there was three left. Um, but we're going to be giving away some of those copies to listeners of the show because the soundtrack is so fantastic. So we're going to talk about how to give that away next week um, or next episode whenever we record. And uh, we're also going to be giving away a code for A Link to the Past on the Wii Virtual Console uh, next week as well. And to do that, we're going to be giving it away to someone that submits a Christmas or holiday gift memory that is in relation to video games. And uh, you can submit those through uh, backinmyplay.com. There's a contact page on there. You can do it through text or you can email me a link for an MP3. Um, please, you know, keep it clean and neat and, you know, good quality. And we'll, uh, We'll do all that stuff. Oh, man, I think that's... What if somebody sent you like a really raunchy story? Would you air it? <laughs> no, send, yeah, send me your your <laughs> fanfic for Jet Set Radio because it's... You know, yeah, it's, it'd get pretty dark. Dude, that cop has a really long barrel on that pistol. I don't know if you saw that, <laughs> but I'm sure he does some naughty stuff with it. Um, he's got some scruff on him too. So uh, let's uh, let's end it there. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for for taking some time on your Sunday to talk to us. It was a lot of fun. 
Oh yeah, thanks for having me. This has been great. Um, yeah, really appreciate it, dude. And, yeah, and obviously, any anytime, anytime. Well, yeah, we're definitely after to, to come up back. again. Um, yeah, but playeronepodcast.com, uh, streamonshow.com. Uh, you're on Twitter at twitter.com slash or at superpack, however you want to put it. Um, anything else that I'm missing that is good to promote? That is it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, well, that's gonna do it for for this edition. Uh, again, thanks as always for people out there for listening and subscribing through iTunes, please submit a review if you haven't already. And, uh, until next time, we're just going to finish up with some jet set radio music because, uh, again, that stuff is really good. So see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Look at the funk. Could you stop playing with that radio, Lord? I'm trying to get to sleep.